A proper greeting this Advent is, peace be with you. But for many, it's not easy to walk this earth and find peace. On this last Sunday of Advent, our faith tells us that we stand on the threshold of fulfillment. But with less than a week before Christmas, we can find ourselves rather standing on the threshold of restlessness, which comes in many forms. Some of us may have the restlessness of a prophet who in our first reading anxiously awaits the one who will bring peace to a troubled nation. Some may have the restlessness heard in our responsorial psalm, which begs God to look down on us from heaven and see our suffering. Some of us may have the restlessness of an expectant mother who in our gospel is filled with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, some of us may be simply fed up and frustrated and overtaken by the distracted demands of the world that threaten to leave us spiritually indifferent. Whatever the expression is, we are all talking about the same thing. Because it seems that on some level, we are forever restless, dissatisfied, frustrated, and aching for something greater than ourselves. The paradox is that God made us this way, and there is good reason for this. Throughout the ages, history has tried to name and analyze the source of our restlessness, but the saints knew very well of its origin. St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And in those words, God reveals who we really are and where our restlessness comes from. To say our hearts are restless is to say that God made us restless. That is, we are born restless because we crave the infinite. And we won't be at ease in this world until we find rest in those things which are infinite infinite faith, infinite love, infinite hope. So if we are born to crave the infinite, our restlessness will never be satisfied. Our restlessness will never find peace simply by having the right job, the right house, the right car, the right set of friends, or the right recognition. So when Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, Lord, he is saying that we are created from God, in God, for God. And it is only within this larger way of seeing things that the question of who we are is settled once and for all. To be Christian then is not to wander through this once and only life that we have, asking ourselves, who am I? Rather, the question should be, whose am I? That is, to whom do I belong? To whom am I created for? And Augustine gets it so right. You have made us for yourself, Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And our hearts will find rest in God, 
And the great image for this is when Mary and Elizabeth meet. This is the visitation story. Two women in distress, given up to the will of God. Two women who know how to believe and who are as strong as the children they will bear in the world. But the visitation is much more than a social meeting between two expectant mothers. Scripturally, this is the meeting where the Old Covenant meets the New, where the Old Testament meets the New. Representing the Old Law is Elizabeth and her unborn child who will be named John, the one who will speak the Word of God. And representing the fulfillment of the old law is Mary and her unborn child who will be named Jesus, the one who will be the word of God made flesh. And John has heard the voice of Mary, and as any child in the womb hears music and voices, dances for joy in the womb of his mother. John knows this is the one he has been born to proclaim, and he rests in peace, knowing he will hear that voice again and see Jesus face to face. But as amazing as this story is, it points to much, much more. In today's reading from Hebrews, Jesus says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In holocausts and sin offerings you took no delight. Then I said, as it is written of me in the scroll, behold, I come to do your will, O God. And these words reveal what it means to be human, because these words reveal who this child really is and why this child had to come to us. The reading from Hebrews tells us that it's God's plan that our redemption is dependent upon God coming into this world as one of us. So when Jesus says, I have come to do your will, scripture scholars comment that it is through Christ's obedience the promises made by God are fulfilled, and that is true. But in the language of love, God is saying, it is I who will come for you. It is I who formed you in my image. I who knit you in your mother's womb. I will be your brother in the flesh. And it is I who does all these things because I love you. In these words, the mystery of the incarnation the mystery of God taking on human flesh. God prepared a body for the Son, prepared flesh for his dwelling among us as a human being, mortal and vulnerable, and yet powerful in the strength of God. And that's the good news, but that's the great paradox. Because for Christians, power is always hidden in powerlessness just as God is now hidden in the body of a vulnerable child. 
The incarnation is the price God paid to enter the world on our terms, to feel the joy and suffering of our humanity. So when this child comes to us in the world, we could speak to a God who would understand. There is an ancient parable that may help explain why God had to come to us in a way that we could understand. Once upon a time, a man came to Jesus and complained about the hiddenness of God. Rabbi, he said, I am an old man. During my whole life, I have always kept the commandments. And every year of my adult life, I went to Jerusalem and offered the prescribed sacrifices. And every night of my life, I have not retired to my bed without first saying my prayers. But I have waited for years in vain. Why, Rabbi, why doesn't God show himself? Then Jesus responded, Once upon a time, there was a marble throne at the eastern gate of a great city. And on this throne sat 3,000 kings. All of them called upon God to appear so that they might see him. But all went to their graves with their wishes unfulfilled. Then when all the kings had died, the poor man came and sat upon the throne. God, he whispered, the eyes of a human being cannot look directly at the sun for they would be blinded. How then can they look directly at you? Have pity, Lord. Turn down your splendor so that I, who am poor and afflicted, may see you. Then listen, the rabbi said. God became a piece of bread, a cup of cool water, a warm hut, and a woman and her infant. Thank you, Lord, the poor man whispered. You humbled yourself for my sake. You became bread, water, a warm hut, a wife and child in order that I might see you. And I did see you in all these things. And so on this last Sunday before Christmas, when our homes will be filled of visitations, may your lives reflect heaven on earth. May all your homes become church. May you and all your children become the Christ child. May all your food and drink become sacrament.